0: Well, today we're gonna be continuing on in our series of uh, Marks of a Healthy Believer. And we've covered several things so far. We've covered the fact that if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, somebody who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ and has been uh, renewed and justified and sanctified that you will be somebody or should be somebody who desires to serve. And ultimately, God showed us what service is like when he sent his son to be a servant for us and to die on the cross for us. And and out of appreciation and in response to that, we, if we are healthy believers, should serve. We also looked at how, if we are healthy believers, we should be people who worship And again, this is a response to what God has done for us through Christ. And and if we really understand that, how can we not worship? How can we not give our lives to God as an act of worship? Last week, Pastor John talked about forgiveness and how if we are a healthy Christian, we should be someone who forgives, who is willing to, to to pay the price, in a sense, to forgive somebody because it's a costly thing. It costs Jesus his life to forgive us. And so we are called to forgive as God has forgiven us, and we need to do that. We need to be, as Christians, people who are marked or identified as people who are forgiving towards others. Well, today as we look at Galatians, and actually in the next two weeks, we're going to be covering this portion of Scripture that you're probably familiar with. The end of this portion of Scripture has the fruits of the Spirit. The beginning of it has the fruits of the flesh. And next week we'll talk about the fruits of the Spirit. But this week we're going to be focusing on this, this struggle that we have as christians between the spirit and the flesh we're going to try and explain what that means and and the part that this struggle should have in our lives as healthy believers if we are healthy believers one of the things that should mark us is the fact that we struggle against the flesh we're in a fight we're in a battle and Ultimately, through Christ, we crucify the flesh. So we're going to talk about that today. A little example from from agriculture to kind of help us out. I had a professor at Multnomah University. His name was David Needham. Some of you may, that may uh, ring a bell with you. You might be familiar with him. He's written a couple of books. One of the books that he wrote was called Birthright. And in that book, he gave an example of what happens to a believer when they are saved. And he used this example of an avocado tree. Um, He grew up in California somewhere around avocado groves, and he loved avocados. And when he talked about avocados, he he really got into it, (laughs) and he talked about how how luscious the, the fruit was, and he would just really get into it. I don't like all avocados, so <laughs> I'm not going to get as into it as he did, but I think it's a good metaphor that he uses. And so basically he explained how a, a person is like an avocado tree. And I don't know how much you know about agriculture or the way uh Things are produced that we eat, vegetables, fruits, that kind of stuff. But a lot of what we end up eating is it goes through this process where the natural plant is cut off and a new plant is put onto it. It's called grafting. And this is what they do with avocados. They will start a, a type of avocado tree that has a really healthy, robust, Uh, root system and is pretty hardy. And they'll let it grow for a little while. But then when it's the proper time, the farmer comes and he chops it off. And in its place, he takes a, a different type of avocado plant, an avocado plant that produces really good fruit. The type that had That was growing has a great root structure and great uh, ability to grow, but it doesn't produce the best fruit. So he chops that off and he takes a kind that produces the best fruit and they graft it onto that rootstock. And then that new plant uh, or the old plant sends all of its energy and all of the, the water and nutrients and stuff that it collects up into the the new avocado plant, and that grows, and then produces good fruit. Now, can you see where this uh, this metaphor applies to our lives as Christians? We were all, we all started out um, as unbelievers. We were a certain kind of person, but then. God got a hold of our lives and he changed us and through salvation, we are a new creation according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old is gone, we're new, we're something different and we have been regenerated, we have been washed, we've been forgiven, we've been all these things that the Bible talks about, but basically we are a new person in Christ. Just like that avocado, avocado plant was cut off and a new avocado was put on that is kind of what happens when we are saved our our old being is is cut away and a spiritually alive person is is put in our place before salvation we were unable to do certain things because of who we were after salvation We are different and we are able to do certain things because of who we are now, okay? So hopefully that that makes sense. Now, here's the thing about the avocados. If the farmer's not careful and if he's not diligent, you know what happens? The act of cutting off the avocado plant triggers something in the root system and the stem that's left. There are buds in there that lay dormant until that happens. And when that happens, they're triggered and they want to grow. So you have this stem of an old avocado plant. You have the new avocado on top of it. But there's a problem because the old avocado plant is going to want to send shoots and branches out. And it's going to want to use all the energy of the plant to do its natural thing. And it's not going to necessarily want to send all those nutrients and all that energy into the new avocado plant that you want to grow. So if a farmer isn't careful, that old plant can grow and can, uh, can overwhelm the new avocado plant. Now, it's not a perfect metaphor, but this is what Paul is talking about here in Galatians. If you are a believer, you're a new avocado plant. One of your jobs as a new avocado plant is to keep the old plant from growing. And to make sure that all the energy and all the nutrients and all the things go into the new person. Because the new person is born again, regenerated, and can live according to the spirit and walk according to the spirit, the old person can't it just it's physically impossible it can't do it so let's go ahead and let's look at galatians chapter 5 we're going to start in verse 16 paul says to the galatians but i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit So here we have an explanation of who we are as believers. We're indwelled by the spirit, and yet we have this flesh that we're still in, and there is there are contrary things going on. The spirit wants one thing, the flesh wants another. There's this whole list of horrible things that the flesh desires and there's this list of great fruit that the spirit brings and they are opposite. They don't mix. And here we have the, the basis for, um, for my main point that a a healthy believer is in a battle because there are two things that are opposed to each other, living in one person. And so we have to decide, are we gonna go this way or are we gonna go that way? Now let's look a little closer here. Paul starts out in his first uh, point in this passage is he says, walk by the spirit, verse 16. Walk by the spirit. Well, what does that mean to walk by the spirit? The word there, walk, can be used of just literally walking from one place to another, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about your way of life. He's talking about how you live, the things you do, the things you say, the things you think about. And so he's saying, live your life by the Spirit. He's encouraging us as believers to to get in line with, with what the Spirit wants. Now that phrase, by the spirit, is kind of interesting too. First, look at that word spirit in your Bible and tell me what's unique about it. I heard it faintly, say it louder. It's capitalized, right? Which means what? Is this our spirit? No, this is the spirit, right? This is the Holy Spirit that we're talking about, the third person of the Trinity. And Paul is saying, walk by the Spirit. So when we believe, when we are saved, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, he is with us. He is in us in a spiritual sense. And so Paul is saying, walk by the Spirit. Well, what does by mean? There's a couple different ways that you can think of that word by, By can be a positional word, like I am standing by the pulpit. It can refer to somebody's position or relation, a physical relationship between two things. That's one way that that by can be thought of. Another way is that by can refer to a process. Uh, This happens by osmosis. If you're looking, if you're a scientist and you're uh, delving into the way that cells work, osmosis is one of the ways that you see things happen, and they happen by osmosis, which we won't get into. <laughs> There's another sense in which by can be thought of. By can be the, the cause of something. Your car moves by internal combustion. There's an engine, there's gas, it explodes in there, it pushes things, and that is the cause of the motion of your car, okay? It's a little bit more complicated than that, but there's your basic science lesson on locomotion. Um, so all of these things, it can be by in position, it can be by in process, it can be by in cause. So what does Paul mean when he says, walk by the spirit? Well, I think it's kind of, a little bit of all of that the spirit is in us right and so we need to act in a way that that recognizes that he is by us he's here with us you know a while ago and i don't know how popular they are now but the whole what would jesus do bracelets the idea was oh if jesus were standing right there what would you do well The spirit is right there. So live as if he is right there, because if you're a believer, he really is right there. So make decisions based on that. Act based on that. Think based on that. But not only that, he, the spirit, is the one who empowers us to do those things that we think we ought to do. So if I am in a situation where uh, there's a bunch of people and they're making fun of somebody and I just feel like, you know, I should stand up for this guy. That is something that I believe the spirit would want. That would be kind. That would be loving, right? So I act and I say, you know what? I got the spirit in me. I'm gonna act. And when I choose to walk by the spirit, do what he would like, he also empowers me to do that. So there's a sense in which uh, walking by the Spirit is living according to the presence of the Spirit in us, but it's also that the Spirit empowers us to do the things that are according to the Spirit. And again, that's not our Spirit, that is the Spirit. So walk by the Spirit. If we were to sum up that little phrase, a healthy Christian is one who walks by the Spirit. So that's kind of our our first point in this message. But it's important to know that walking by the Spirit creates a conflict. Do you see it in the rest of that verse? It says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you are walking by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, some Bible translations, instead of saying will not, they say walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, they put two commands there. Walk by the Spirit, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. But in actuality, that's that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is if you walk by the Spirit, you will not follow the desires of the flesh it's a promise it's not another command if you do this you won't do that now you may be thinking well wait a second I'm a believer and I think I've probably gratified the desires of the flesh once or twice yep probably but in that moment were you walking by the spirit or were you walking according to the flesh You were walking according to the flesh. And so that's why you went down that road. So the the easy answer is, well, just start walking by the spirit and then you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Right? Simple. (laughs) Uh, Simple, not easy. So, A healthy Christian is one who walks by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit creates conflict because it says right here in the next verse, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So basically what Paul is saying is these two things that we have here, the Spirit and the flesh, they're just... One's going this way and one's going that way. And they do not mix. And so it's in some ways easy to tell whether you're walking by the Spirit because you're going this way. And if you find yourself going that way, you can say, oh, I'm walking in the flesh. I'm gratifying the desires of the flesh. I need to get back over here. So there's this this conflict that happens. And... It's all based on the fact that we have this, this flesh. Paul uses the word sarks there, and that can be used to, uh, to talk about literal flesh, like the meat hanging off your bones, but it's, it's more than that. It's all the desires and all of the things that are contrary to the Spirit and that come out of our hearts naturally. They're fleshly desires. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, Paul is talking about our conversion experience, and in Ephesians 2, 3, he describes us before we are uh, believers, and he says, "...among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind." This is the flesh, okay? This is us doing what we want, whatever we want, when we want, and by nature, we do it, and by nature, that places us under God's wrath because it is opposed to what he desires. So the flesh is this, uh, this physical body that we're in in some ways, but it's more than that. It is the desires that go along with it. It is the basic uh, human propensity to go against God and all that that entails. Now, I'm not saying, as some have said, that flesh is bad. There is, and there have been throughout history, uh, different controversies that say well the the flesh and everything regarding the flesh is evil and so we should deny the flesh and when they when they talk about that they're talking about like your literal body so they would starve themselves they would sleep on on you know bumpy beds of rocks and stuff like that thinking that that would make them holy because they're denying the flesh that's not what i'm talking about okay you can sleep on a comfortable bed You can eat, you can do things that the body desires, but you do need to make sure that you don't take those uh, to an inappropriate level. And that brings up an interesting thing here. When it talks about the desires of the flesh, uh, Tim Keller was kind of helpful in helping me understand this, that... That word there is really—it's not just a desire, but it's a an inordinate desire that is that is uh, on steroids. <laughs> it, it's a desire that is out of control, that has taken, uh, gone past just the uh, the regular desire, and it's and it wants more. And to get more, it goes into the area of sin. Okay. Um, it's okay for me to want a car and a house to live in, right? Thank you. <sighs> now, when I get into my car and I go, uh, this 1997 Toyota Corolla sure is a speed demon as I'm getting passed by everybody because it only has a three-speed transmission. And I don't know why they would even make a car like that. But they do, and I have it. And so I start going, man, I would really like an Audi or a BMW or something else. And I start thinking about that and desiring it. And then I'm upset, and I'm like, what kind of crummy car is this? And I'm not grateful what I, for what I have. I'm only desiring what I don't have. And what am I doing? I've taken that okay desire, but now it's it's overboard. And I'm jealous and I'm envious and I'm upset and I'm complaining instead of rejoicing. And there's all kinds of fleshly things going all around. And the spirit is going, Brian, hey, hey, come on, come on, snap out of it, right? It's, it's a desire that's gone to the nth degree, overboard. It's okay to want a house, but do you really need the $10 million house? Probably not. If you have it, let me know, though. So, these desires are, are things that come from the flesh and they are over desires. They, they want to push the limit. And to go back to that whole illustration of the avocado plant, these are the, the old plant that want to grow, that want to steal the energy from the new plant, and that want to uh, overtake it. And that's just naturally what they do they want to grow. They want to have life. They want nutrients. That, and so they steal it from the new plant. So, part of our job as a believer, as a Christian, as a healthy Christian, is to watch out for those shoots from the old plant and don't let them get a foothold, don't let them grow. Keep all your energy, keep all of the nutrients going into the new plant. And if you do that, the old plant has nothing to grow with. They are contrary to each other. If the new one's growing, the old one's not. If the old one is growing, the new one is stagnated. That's just how it goes. So we have this... Challenge to walk by the Spirit, but walking by the Spirit creates conflict between the Spirit and the flesh, or the things of the Spirit and the things of the flesh. And it's interesting, if you look at verse uh, 17, there are four phrases in that verse. First one is, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. That's phrase number one. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. That's phrase number two. For these are opposed to each other. Phrase number three. And phrase number four, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, the two phrases in the middle are explanatory to the other phrases. So if you take the first one and move right into the second one, it's interesting. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So what does the flesh do? What do the desires of the flesh do? They keep you from doing what you really want to do. What do I mean by that? Well, as a believer, I really do want to worship and praise God. Like I I want to be kind. I want to be patient. I want all of these good things that are part of who I am now as a Christian, I want to do those things, right? But go back to the example, I'm in a crowd and everybody's making fun of this guy and I want to stand up for him, but next thing I know, I'm making fun of him. And then I go, wait a second, what am I doing? I was just thinking that I didn't want to do that. And now I'm doing it, and I was mad at those guys for doing it, but now I'm in the same boat, and I didn't do what I wanted to do. What's the deal? Does that sound kind of familiar to you if you think of other passages in the Bible? Maybe like Romans chapter 7? Turn back there to Romans chapter 7. Paul gives us a little glimpse into uh, what this conflict is like. And he explains this to the Romans. If you look at Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 15, he says, I do not understand my own actions. And and that, you ever been in one of those situations where you want to do the right thing and then you end up doing the wrong thing and you just go, I see in my members, in my flesh, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Do you sense the frustration there? But has he given up? Has he lost hope? No, verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And he continues on to to talk about how there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ because number one, Jesus paid the price for all of our sin. He has forgiven us, right? Yes, and so In this struggle, there is no condemnation, but it's not resignation. It's keep fighting, keep struggling, because this is where you are as a Christian. You have been regenerated, your spirit has been renewed, and yet you're in this body of flesh and you're going to be tempted. So this is where we find ourselves as Christians, in this place where we we are indwelled by the Spirit and we want to live by the Spirit. And when we do, we do not gratify the desires of the flesh. But then sometimes the desires of the flesh creep up and we make the decision to go with the flesh. And when that happens, the spirits, our our spirit, our new self suffers the new avocado plant doesn't get the nutrients that it needs and the result is that we don't produce the fruit of the spirit then we're producing the desires of the flesh now just in case we're wondering well what exactly are you talking about here paul well he gives us this big list of the desires of the flesh And he gives us, um, starting in, oh, I'm in the wrong place in my Bible. Starting in verse 20, or excuse me, 19, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It's quite the list. These are the things that the Galatians were dealing with. These are the the desires of the flesh that Paul saw in them. And he's he's pointing them out and he's saying, hey, guys, this is what I'm talking about. These are the desires of the flesh that you need to combat by walking with the spirit. And this big, long list, uh, to make it a little bit simpler, we can split it up into four sections. The first Three things have to do with sexuality. So the first three in the list are sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. Basically, that that first one there, sexual immorality, uh, refers to any kind of illicit sexual intercourse. Anything outside of the bonds of marriage between a husband and wife is illicit. It's not right. It shouldn't be done. And that's what he's saying. The next word there, impurity, has to do with the, uh, the lust and the uncleanness that comes from indulging in those things. So there's a, a kind of a dirtiness that some people have. And it's, it's um, evidenced in many ways, but the guy who is always telling the dirty jokes You know, the guy who's always got his mind in the gutter or the girl who always has her mind in the gutter. That's what this is talking about. Just the dirtiness, the uncleanness in a sexual sense that that comes when you give into those fleshly desires in that area. So there's the the actual uh, sexual acts. There's the uncleanness. And then the last word there, the sensuality, has to deal with uh, just an an unashamed attitude towards all of this. You are a sensual person. Yeah, I sleep around and I'm proud of it. 10 in the last month. You know, like that's gross. That's sensual. That is, you're unashamed of what you're doing. And God says, have nothing to do with that. That is the flesh. That's not the spirit. So those first three have to do with, with sexuality. And, you know, it's interesting. Our culture nowadays in in this regard is seems like it's going downhill fast. But it's important for us to realize that there's nothing new under the sun. All of these things that we're dealing with as a nation in regards to sexuality, illicit, things like that, they've been around. They were around with the Galatians. And Paul is saying, hey, you gotta be different. You can't walk according to those things. You can't give in to those things. As a believer, be different. And it's it's tough, but... When you walk by the Spirit, you won't go that direction. So those first things deal with sexuality. The next two deal with idolatry. Basically, right there, it says idolatry and sorcery. Um, In other words, worshiping other things than God. That could be a false religion. It could be some sort of cult. It could be money. It could be a lot of different things. What are you giving your life? To, who are you giving your life to? Is it to God? Great. Is it to something else? Problem. Idolatry. It's worshiping, giving your life to something other than God. And along with that, um, anybody ever seen like a uh, documentary on PBS or something where they go into a tribe that's in the remotest parts of the world and there's like a witch doctor in this tribe, this idea of sorcery or witchcraft uh, comes from the word uh, pharmakeia, has to do with medicine, and there's this whole realm of, of spirituality that tries to use uh, drugs and enchantments and things to, in a spiritual way, to get closer to God or gods or to be in their favor or that kind of stuff. And and Paul is saying. Don't even go there. That's evil, you know. That's idolatry, and it, it's it's closely related to a lot of pagan worship. You have these uh, drug induced experiences that are supposed to uh, improve your your relationship to whatever god you're you're serving, but it's it's evil. So don't don't do it. That's something that is a desire of the flesh, it's not a desire of the, feir- of the spirit. So we have sexuality, we have idolatry. The next eight things here deal with relationships between us and other people. They are interpersonal relationship things to stay away from, like enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. All of those things have to do with, uh, with human relationships gone bad. Fits of anger. You did something that I don't like. I'm gonna let you know it. Is that walking by the spirit? No, that's indulging the flesh. You have something that I want. Is that walking by the spirit? No, it's indulging the flesh. It's envy. All of these things here, and it, I don't have time to run through the whole list of them, you should look through the whole list of them because if these are things that that characterize your relationships, then there's a problem because your relationships are based on the desires of the flesh and you're not walking by the Spirit in those relationships. The last section there, we have things dealing with sexuality, things dealing with idolatry, things dealing with relationships. And the last two things have to deal with alcohol and drunkenness. And it says uh, pretty plainly here in verse 21, drunkenness and orgies. Now, orgies can have a sexual connotation, but they don't in this case. What they're talking about here is some sort of raucous, drunken party where everybody is just there to get hammered and have a great time, and they're proud of it. And it says that that is a desire of the flesh. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. Now, can you have a glass of wine with your dinner? I'll ask you guys. Can you have a glass of wine with your dinner? Sure. Um, Should you be drunk and inviting all your friends over for a kegger to get smashed because it's so awesome. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, there's, there's a line there, you know? And so don't be drunk and don't be proud of it and get drunk with other people and be raucous. And it's just not not good. Don't do it. That's what the flesh wants to do. That's what the old avocado plant is trying to grow but you're the new avocado plant, so don't let it grow. Well, all right, we have this big list of things. A healthy Christian is someone who walks by the Spirit. A healthy Christian is someone who is in this fight against the flesh, but like, what does that really look like? I mean, if I say, hey, walk by the Spirit, you go, yeah, I'm walk by the Spirit. But how do you do that? You know, what are some of the practical things that we can do to walk by the Spirit? And remember, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So our goal here is walking by the Spirit. Okay? How do you do it? Well, each one of these things that he has just listed as a desire of the flesh involves an indulgence of something. You give your time, you give your money, you give your effort towards something, right? So if it's drunkenness, you give your time, your energy, your money towards drink. If it's sexuality, you give your time, your money, your energy towards sexuality. You indulge that desire. So if that's how you do the desires of the flesh, what about indulging the desires of the spirit? How about when you do feel that that desire to help somebody, do it. Or when you're watching something on TV and something comes up and you go, oh, maybe I should turn the channel. Turn the channel. Indulge the spirit. When when he is trying to communicate to you, when he is trying to uh, convict you of something, indulge him in that. Spend time, energy, effort to to make that happen. Instead of indulging in the desires of your flesh, indulge in the desires of the spirit. Make sense? So indulge the spirit, and this happens um, kind of just automatically, but... If you are indulging the spirit and its desires and the things that the spirit wants, what happens to the flesh? Well, it says here, the spirit is contrary to the flesh. So if you're going after the spirit, the flesh gets starved. The flesh isn't getting any of your time, energy, or effort, and it loses its hold. It loses its vitality. If all of the energy is going into the new part of the avocado plant, the old doesn't have energy to grow. So how do you walk by the Spirit and not indulge the flesh? Well, you walk by the Spirit and don't indulge the flesh. You you indulge the Spirit and you starve the flesh. In your actions, in your thoughts, in your words. Okay, that's still a little bit out there. How do I do this according to my thoughts? Like, how do I make sure that my thoughts are in line? Well, I actually talked about this at the camp out last week. But Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So how do you keep your thoughts in line? Well, is this thought that I'm having honorable? Not? Then pray and confess and say, God, that wasn't a very honorable thought. And will you help me to, you know, change my thinking right now? Help me not to dwell on the fact that somebody has a better car than I do. If I dwell on that for five hours a day, guess what? I get unhappy. I get discontent. I get envious. But if when that comes up, I go, you know what? Thank you, Lord, for the car that I have. It gets me where I need to go. It's been reliable. I don't need anything else. And, you know, that's probably money could be spent better on other things. You know, And I start thinking rightly about it, and I'm positive, and I'm thanking God for it. I'm walking by the Spirit. I'm not indulging the desires of the flesh. So we can do that in our thoughts just by by confronting them and and by bringing them into alignment with what the word says. Here's a thought. Present your life to him. How many of you wake up and go, I'm going to do evil today? Woo! Eh, probably not. But we kind of do when we wake up and we're like, oh man, I'm going to get that guy back today. Right? Or we do when we think, hmm, I can't wait for this to come up because I'm going to indulge in this. Whatever this is, that's bad. You're, you're preparing yourself. You are offering yourself at that moment to do evil. You're preparing yourself for it. Romans chapter 12 says to present your bodies as what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, right? To God. So instead of waking up and going, oh, I can't wait for this, go, God, I can't wait to be used by you. Will you use me today? Will you prepare me to be used somehow today? Offer yourself to him instead of to your fleshly desires. And then look for opportunities. There's a verse in Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, if we wake up and we say, Lord, today, let the words of my mouth be acceptable to you. The meditations of my heart. I hope they're. I hope they're right. I hope they're on you, man. That would, you know. And, and I'm saying that. And I hope you realize that I don't always do that. But when I, I know for myself when I do have that attitude, man. It changes things. It's like following God is not a chore, it's a joy, you know? Hide God's word in your heart. How can a young man keep his way pure? Psalm 119, answer? Anyone? What? Yeah, 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? So another way that we can... Walk by the Spirit is by meditating on and knowing God's Word because it's powerful, it's truth. It tells us how to walk by the Spirit. Now, all of these things are um, simple in a sense, but hard in practice. And they're the things that pastors always tell you to do read your Bible. Pray, memorize the word. But have you actually done it? Have I actually done it? You know, because if we actually do, it does actually work. Unfortunately, sometimes we're just so uh, immune to it. Oh, I'm having a really hard day. Oh, have you prayed? No, that won't work. What? What? what God tells us to do, right? so do it um, all of this is just the the start, the first part of this passage and and basically the idea here is that paul is is confronting the Galatians he's telling the Galatians this this predicament that they're in as believers they are Regenerate, renewed—they're the new avocado plant, but they just—they have to be aware that the old avocado plant is going to want to suck their energy into wrong things. You have to be aware of that, and you have to fight against it. You have to put some effort into it, And, and and when you do, you know that's how you begin to really walk with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And that's when you really become healthy as a Christian. An avocado plant that has all kinds of suckers and stuff coming out the bottom is not healthy. An avocado plant that has all of its energy going into the new avocado plant and producing luscious fruit is a healthy plant. So if you want to be a healthy Christian, the energy, the effort sap needs to be going into who you are now as a believer in Christ, not the old self. We'll stop there. We'll continue next week. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word and the chance that we've had to look at it and to uh, ponder and to think about how we can walk by the spirit. And Lord, I thank you that you give us this this promise that if we are walking by the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Help us to to see that in our lives and to experience your power in our lives in, in big ways, in small ways, every day, Lord. I pray that we would be looking for how we can live by your spirit. And Lord, would you give us eyes to see when the desires of the flesh are are popping up in different ways whether it's uh, relationally whether it's uh, in our sexuality in our um, in our giving of our lives to you our lord and in, in drunkenness and in other pleasures lord just help us to be aware and to would you give us the strength to turn from those things back to you and Lord, um, you are good. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son and for what you have done through him. I thank you that we can be in a place where we can actually walk by the spirit and please you. Help us to do that. We pray this in your name, Amen.